Hey, yo, what's up? Hi, everyone. This is Soccer Shit. And for our first non-inaugural podcast, we are talking about the CONCACAF Champions League final between the, the Seattle Sounders and Pumas UNAM. I'm Kalun Sagar, and I'm with... And I'm, and I'm Joe. Yeah, that was, that was excellent. Well done. All right. So, in the CONCACAF Champions League final, MLS side Seattle Sounders are going to try to be the first MLS team to win the CCL since 2000, and they'll face Pumas UNAM from Liga Max. So we, this is going to be, for the for, probably for one of the first times in a while, an MLS team is actually going to be favored currently to actually win in the final. I can't remember the last time where there was a favorite. Toronto might have been in 2018. Were they not I, heavy favorites in 2018? I, I don't remember what the betting line or any talk of that was, but that basically... For all intents and purposes, in the current format of the Champions League here, there is there's only been three times that MLS has had a realistic chance of winning. One was in 2018, where it was Toronto versus Chivas, and they lost on penalty kicks. And that was the same run of Toronto FC, where they won the Supporter Shield. Uh, they had a MLS Cup champion run in there as well um, and they just narrowly lost on P- uh, PKs in 2018 and then you had in 2020 it was LAFC versus I think it was Tigris but that yeah. was a that was a weird year where in theory LAFC had the best run on paper of any MLS team because every single team that they beat came out of uh, Liga Emekis but Halfway through the competition, they stopped doing uh, two leg and they just started doing it one. So, for example, I think it was uh, Cruz Azul in the quarterfinals where everybody else played two games, but LAFC only had to beat them once on a neutral field. And then the semis in the final were only one leg. So take that as you will, but they still did it. And a one game final, anything can happen. So this is going to be, you have a team in the Seattle Sounders where historically they are amongst the, they're not not a founding member, obviously, but if you're talking about best run franchise or model franchise currently and MLS, if, if you don't have Seattle Sounders in there, I don't know what else to tell you here i mean um, historically speaking it's basically it was dc united uh, uh, la galaxy, galaxy then it's and, now it's seattle sounders right and uh, not trying to be rude but dc united hasn't been exactly relevant for or not consistently relevant i should say they've had uh, on and off years and then LA Galaxy hasn't had a dominating run since the mid-2000s. They haven't been uh, making the playoffs. So. No. And you're talking about Seattle with a franchise that I don't think they finished worse than seventh yeah. in any year. Um, so if the, if it's going to happen, man, this year, this should be the year. Um, and Because the competition that they're playing with Pumas – Obviously, they come from Liga Amekis. Seattle historically doesn't do great on the road in Mexico. But if you take a look at this run, on paper, Seattle's actually done very well. It's basically been absolutely curb stomping everyone at home in Seattle and then bending but not breaking on the road. They haven't Uh, lost. They have not. They have been the best team in this tournament so far, and it's not that close. I would agree to that, but if you take a look at their road performances, while they have not lost, which is impressive in its own right, they, let me put it this way, they haven't been convincing on the road. For example, in their match with uh, Leon, um, 
they actually held the lead going into, I believe, the 80th minute, which on paper sounds good, but that I would say that was against the run of play just watching the game. I obviously, because of the first leg, they still would have deserved to go on, but I, they weren't exactly threatening consistently the goal. They just had one or two chances. They, they took advantage of one of them to score the one road goal. And then we had their semifinal versus uh, New York FC, uh, or New York City, excuse me. And that was an insane game that could have ended like seven to four um, <laughs> if everyone put away their chances. So they yeah. deserve to be where they are, but... The scoreline's flattering them. Yes, the scoreline is flattering. But uh, the, the home performance, that is absolutely what it should be. In fact, some of their games, it should have been even worse for the opposition in Seattle. They have been on fire, this competition, yeah. while playing at home. I think for some historical context to how their teams are like this position, usually there is no MLS team in the final. Um, and going just back history, history, the most successful countries in the CONCACAF Champions League go Mexico at more than like 20 something, um, Costa Rica at six, then you have El Salvador and Dallas, and then you have the US who has two championships, which were both, both hosted at home, I believe. Um, they hosted in the U.S. with LA Galaxy and DC United, and we have never won since. Uh, the closest we've come since then has was probably um, was probably 2018, where Toronto basically beat the best teams in Liga MX. The New York Red Bulls were destroying the second tier teams in Liga MX, and then they came in against just. Shiva's team that was near the bottom of the table. They were pretty clear favorites. They thought of than the run of play, but Shiva's was able to basically shit house a couple wins. And it didn't help that Toronto had an injury crisis right before the final. And in terms of the competition this year with Pumas, <clears throat> excuse me, they, on paper, I mean, if you just go up and down their roster, Seattle's is better. There hasn't been... There hasn't been a lot of times where you've been able to say that. You, you Usually it's been, oh, no, whatever, MLS Team X should be able to put up a fight against Liga MX yeah. Team Y. But, I mean, if you go up and down the roster, Seattle just has a better team. They've also and, just been better over, like, last couple of years, even in yes. international competition. I mean, Pumas hasn't been great. Um, for those of you listening that – are unfamiliar with how the Liga MX season works. They technically have two different, they, they play basically the same amount of games in like MLS or like any other uh, league does, but they split it into two seasons. They it's, a, it's an opening and then a closing. And the, the way that Pumas got there is that I believe they won the closing in uh, 2021 and that's how they were able to qualify for this one let me double check that oh they were the runners up in 2020 so that's how they were able to qualify here but then in the other half of the season they were mid-table at best and currently I think they're like ninth in the in Liga and Mickey's table yeah, I mean, um, Seattle isn't that much better. Well, that much better in MLS. I will say this, to, in fairness to both of those teams, they are very, like, for example, Seattle played uh, yesterday with a, a completely turned over roster because yeah. of the champion. Like, both teams are very clearly probably, I, I can't speak for Pumas, but I know Seattle for sure has prioritized this champion's run over the start of the MLS season. That has been very obvious. Uh, just by looking at how their rotation of their squad has been. Yeah. But it, even excluding this year, Pumas is, they aren't, they aren't Team Club America. They aren't Tigres. They aren't, uh, they, they, aren't they aren't Monterey. They aren't Atlas. They aren't even Cruz Azul, who is their main uh, rival. 
but they aren't an historically strong franchise. They, they're not bad. Also, some but, interesting history here. The last time a Mexican team lost in the CONCACAF Champions League was when Pumas made the final. They lost to Saprissa, who then finished third in the Club World Cup, which was like the first time that had ever happened. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, so what... what looking back, like we, we covered that 2020 and 2018 were the other times. Do you think this is a better chance than those two? Or are we still looking at 18 just because of how on paper Toronto was doing at that time? Like at that point, Toronto was the best team in MLS, arguably history. Yeah. With the run that they were doing, but they also had a stronger on paper opponent where Did they? This, I I think so. Um I I remember going back looking back at because I remember watching that final. They played they they played evenly. It, it was they played they, evenly, but it's worth yes. noting that Toronto was like missing a lot of their starting eleven. And in the semifinals, playing against another historically great team, the New York Red Bulls, the Jairos was completely just completely. They were like it was an even game away, and they were just, they just sat back and just about scraped through the home leg, where the New York just peppered them as chances. Right, which so. sounds very familiar to this season with Pumas, where they really shouldn't even be where they are as if Bruce arena doesn't have an absolute failure of a game plan. In the second not leg. to mention like the best player in MLS, not being available. Right. But even then they went into the second leg with a three, nothing cushion. Yeah. Bruce arena pregame goes, they have to score. We don't, which is asking for trouble. And wouldn't you know it, they come back. And you score one goal. That's a five. Right. I, what is the... Uh, I don't know. But I mean, New England were missing their starting center backs. And Matt Turner, who by G+, which is, for people who don't know, it's a metric which basically uses position on the field to evaluate how a player contributes to winning, generally speaking. Um, he has fallen away, been the leader in MLS in that for like a couple years. Uh, he was an MVP. He, he was basically the MVP of the Gold Cup team where the USC team won the regional trophy for CONCACAF. Matt Turner was missing. The center backs were missing. And it was kind of obvious. And it's been obvious all season, New England, I'm missing those players. But all that being said, they still should have won that. I mean, for... More historical context, no MLS team that has gone two goals up in the home leg since the decent format was uh, established. No team that has gone two goals up has failed to close the deal. Like if an MLS team wins two goals at home, up until New England's choke job, they would win, they would progress and advance to the next land. That is what the historical precedent was. And Booth Alina brilliantly just chucked that away. Right. I will give to, to give some credit to Pumas here. I would say that they had a pretty good semifinal run. Um, they beat Cruz Azul, and in the second leg, they actually got a uh, Pumas actually received a red card in the 60th minute. Yeah. And they still kept that a nothing nothing draw, which that was the away tie. So that's not this, that's not nothing. So yeah. at the very least, we've seen them one hang on with ten men and then come back from a three nothing deficit. I I would say to definitely not overlook them. But yeah. like for for example, if you look at transfer market value, um, which is not the end all be all, but if you just take a quick casual look at that, the top player on out of either team comes out of Seattle. Uh, that is Raul Ruidias. Uh, that's approximately 8 million. And then for Pumas, it's Juan Deneno, who has, for all purposes, I think he scored seven goals 
so far in the Champions League, which he's obviously their most potent striker. That's more than uh, Montero and Morris combined for Seattle. Uh, so if you don't shut him down, that's probably going to, that might be the difference in this game. But then if you go down the rest of Seattle's lineup, in terms of the competition that we're comparing here, you then have Christian and Alex Rodon. You have uh, Jordan Morris. You have Nuhu from Cameroon. Um, you've got Juan Paulo. You got, uh, I, I already said Alex Rodon, but like you just have multiple good players coming off from Seattle. Like Seattle is arguably the best team on paper in MLS. And the only reason why they aren't doing better, as we alluded to, is because they're prioritizing another competition. Yep. As opposed to the start to MLS. This like, might be the best constructed Boston in MLS history. Like they basically pulled the best player from the real Salt Lake shithouse them to beat them without a shot. Then they went and they took the best player from Real Salt Lake and signed him as a free agent. So that's one very good player who's like near the MVP level. You have Lol Ruidas. That's not how you say his name, but that is a second player who can play like an MVP for a season. You have Nicolas Lordello, who can also play like an MVP for a season. You have Zoldan, who has absolutely been dominant against Liga Max opposition for the last two years. Um, and then you have uh, Nuhu, who is who just basically shut down Algeria to make the World Cup. This is a really loaded team, even in terms of CONCACAF. And don't forget uh, Mont- Freddie Montero, who came back for Seattle. Or granted, he he's he's thirty four. He isn't the star player that he was ten years ago. Yeah, but he's st- he's still their main. He was scoring uh, goals yeah, against he's still Santos scoring. Laguana uh, in the Champions League a few years back. And then uh, Stefan Fry, their keeper, he's he's, he's on a good again. Yep, yep, he's had a resurgence. He had a very good game. Verse in both the quarters and the semis, he at bare minimum he's kept at probably four goals from scoring in both in both of those sets of ties. So he's in form. The midfield is in form. Don't forget Jordan Morris, who's yeah, just he like, just he just scored a banger. Jordan uh, Morris before his ACL was a really really one of the best players in MLS. And he he still he still has a straight line speed and he still has a good shot. He he's. He, he can't really pivot. He can't go side to side anymore. But if you just put him in a one-on-one foot race, he's probably faster than anybody that you're going to put against him. And if you give him time and space to take an open shot, he's probably going to place it. He's also has a pretty deft touch for assists as well, as we saw against uh, New York city as well. Um, so, yeah. I mean, just to put this in, in like using transfer market, which Again, isn't the end-all be-all, but it's used by actual teams and it's fairly predictive, meaning they can predict how leagues are going to end up in terms of the table and standings. Pumas is at an average transfer market value of 1.40 million for each player. Santos Laguana, 2.34. Azul, 3.06. New York City FC, 2.16. New England Evolution, who they beat, 1.85. Seattle, 1.9 fixed. Point I'm making here is on paper, this team really isn't as good as uh, many of the teams in this competition. And adding the fact that Seattle have just been probably been the be- better team throughout this tournament and probably just been better in general internationally as of late. If this was not MLS versus Liga MX, if we just looked at these teams in a vacuum and we, we just did not care about like any sort of league history, I think everyone would agree that Seattle, like basically everyone would agree Seattle are the favorite here. I think the only, or I would say one of the biggest factors historically holding back Seattle in terms of whether or not they should be considered the favorites is that historically Seattle has been terrible uh, 
away to home. Mexico uh, on the yes away to Mexico. That's they true. You, yes, they you up until this this uh, this current Champions League, they usually lost by two to three goals every game. And every time they went, and it wasn't it wasn't unlucky. It was they were one hundred percent outplayed, outmatched, out hustled, out everything. Yeah. And they would just completely blow it every time in the second leg, usually. But this time, even when they let up a goal against Leon, again, they they weren't the better team away at that match. But at worst, that was a one-goal loss, which is good enough. Yeah. If you tell me this first game against Pumas, and it's only a one-nil loss... And then the second tie is going back to Seattle, which, by the way, they earned because the way whoever gets the second leg in the final is whoever had the more impressive performance over the course points, of the entire tournament. Yes. Yeah. And Seattle did better as points total uh, accumulated than Pumas did. So that's why they have the second leg. And they're going in the second leg where I don't think they failed to score less than three goals. The entire like yeah. this has. I been, mean, New England scored three goals, so just don't lose by three. But they just need to do that last as opposed to first and hang on this time. Yeah, in in theory. Yeah. Um. But this is a podcast which will cover both teams, so we should probably talk more about Pumas and who they have, their players, etc. Right. So. Fun fact, uh, we actually have a, U- a U.S. possible national on there and Sebastian Sosedo as a left winger. Huh. Um, yeah, so he's he's not necessarily a first-rate starter for them, but he does play for them. I do believe he was playing against uh, the Revolution when they were able to pull off that upset with a 3 to nothing. so he was involved in that. They also, they, um, as I touched on before, uh, Yuan Deneno, he is their main scoring threat. He has seven goals so far in the Champions League. Um, so it's probably everything's going to go through him. They do have a pretty good defensive line. Like if you look at the transfer market values in terms of, again, not the end all be whole, but in terms of rating the players, after Deneno, who is their top rated player at about 5 million transfer fee, their next three players are right back, center back, and center back. With uh, Alan Mozo, uh, Nicholas Ferry, and Atura Ortiz. So, and then their left back is ranked is the sixth highest on that list um, with Rodriguez. So they have it, which is about right. This is a team that they're not going to outplay you with talent. They're not going to win with the razzle dazzle. They are going to grind you down and win a lot like the U.S. men's national teams of old, where they won with grit. Uh, determination, uh, hustle, and they're just going to outwill you at the end of the day. They, they also seem yeah. similar to the opponents we're going to be playing at the World Cup. That's like they have my, one striker I, I, who's like yeah. scored twice as much as everyone else in the competition, and then they have an elite back line, and then they just absorb pressure, hit you on the bake. Yeah. And Probably the best team other than Seattle remaining in the competition in the semifinals was probably Cruz Azul yeah. out of Liga Emekis as well. And they beat them. I think Cruz Azul was the highest ranked team coming into the competition, period. Yes. And Pumas was the one that eliminated them. They also beat so, New England, who had just broken the MLS points record, albeit not nearly at the same level. Strength, but still, that's. I'm not, I can't fully take that away from them. They also um, did a like, a, they also overcame a four goal deficit against Cruz Azul in a, another competition. Yeah, this is a team that has historically basically defied the odds and has come back multiple times. And in terms of their form this season, they're seventh in the table in Liga Mechis, which doesn't sound that impressive, but they're that's only three points out of fourth. So basically one game and they're in the top four and they're probably not going to get into the top two. So if they, 
this is going to be their chance. Like, for example, Seattle will, will always have a good chance of getting one of winning the Western Conference or winning the MLS Cup or winning something because consistently they're one of the top teams every single year. This is Pumas's chance to shine. They, they, are, they aren't going to get a chance next year to do this. Yeah. Um, unless they come up with, because the first half of the season, it was Atlas and Club America. So they are, or that's what was already taken. And the top two spots is uh, Pachuca and Tigres are well ahead of anybody that's going to beat them in terms of this, this closing season. So this is basically, this is Pumas's chance to get to the club world cup. Yeah. It's also worth noting that Seattle like transition a lot. They like to, sit back, absorb pressure, especially in these games against League on Max teams, as we've seen in the Championers Cup and the Champions League. They like to sit back, take pressure, and then hit you on the counter. I don't know how effective that will be against this team that also likes to do that. Right. I think at this game is going to be played at Mexico City with in terms of the first leg, that's because that's where Pumas is located, is Mexico City. This is going to be as wild as an environment as Seattle is going to have to play, even against Leon. Um, th- so I don't think they're going to try. I would, I would have to imagine that they're not going to try to control the possession battle in this first leg. What could possibly happen here is they are too conservative, and instead of trying to get at least one away goal, which unlike other leagues, that is actually still being used. The first tiebreaker, if if a goal differential is even, is away goals. That's the first tiebreak. Uh, MLS and uh, CONCACAF, for whatever reason, did not get rid of it like um, over in Europe. They aren't using it really anymore over there. But if they try to just get out of there with a zero zero draw, as opposed to maybe a one, one draw, which is substantially better. Yeah. That could, that could lead to a big problem, but granted they didn't do that in their other league that they had. That was the best showing that Seattle has ever had in Mexico period bar none. Um, I, that was, I don't know about that. And I should say that was that was one of their better results, and they did what they had to do. Um, but they almost knocked. That was one time when the LA Galaxy and the Seattle Sounders played in League MX, and I believe Seattle ended up losing in away goals in the semifinals to the eventual champs. But that's I get you. We get the point. Yeah, right. they're not right. Historically, that is the exception and not the norm. But it looks like this year they figured it out. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Well, cross your fingers. We still have one more game here to play. So the first game or the first game of the final here is going to still take place in April. Um, that's going to take place on April 27th. And then the second leg is going to be played on May 4th. So pretty much just right around the corner. Both teams seem to be in good health as, as of right now. Like I mentioned uh, yesterday, for uh, the yesterday's game, Seattle did a basically not a full rotation of everybody, but the roll downs weren't starting. Um, Montero, I don't think started, if I remember correctly. So they're clearly saving their horses here. Moss is missing. Well, right now, uh, Moss Marco Garcia is out. I don't know if he's a starter, but. I don't think that he is. Granted, I can't tell you that I've watched a ton of their coverage, but I think he's more of a depth piece than a full-on starter. So all things considered, cross your fingers in two weeks, both teams should have a pretty good chance here and pretty healthy here as well. So yeah, who who do you think, like, is, are we going to say that this is Seattle's time or – are we saying that they're going to blow it again in Mexico? It feels like I'm setting myself up for disappointment, but if we just didn't th- think about the fact that Seattle are an MLS team and uh, 
Pumas are a Leo Max team, we would be picking Seattle, right? Like, no, I agree. So, just- I mean, I'm not saying that history is irrelevant, but at the same time, like, if you just look at these teams in the vacuum, Seattle have played better, generally speaking. They have more talent, more international pedigree. They probably have more tournament experience at this level. Um, they've made, they've been good internationally over the last two seasons. And yeah, you'd have to, you'd, ha- you'd favor Seattle here. Um, it also probably helps them that the first leg is going to be away from home where uh, Pumas will have the, you know, they'll be the one expected to come in and do something. I think it's essential that they get something away. I think if they lose one by one goal, the theories flips to like a toss up or Pumas winning. Cause I just like, I can, at least that's what it feels like to me because in the New York Red Bulls Chivas game in 2018, which could have set up an all MLS final, it essentially came down to a one nil they had a one nil advantage and because both teams were set up to like play in transition when the game states allowed Chivas to just completely shut everything off that ended up dictating the game all that said Seattle are probably the better team so they should probably win even if Pumas have been killing giants. Hopefully, this is where the Cinderella story stops. Do you got any score predictions? No. Or both? No. I'm not, <laughs> not, even, brave, I'm not, enough, not brave enough to predict those, just hoping for the winner. Yeah, I'm, I'd rather just. Um, I guess maybe Seattle get like a 1 1 draw and then they win like 1 0. That's Two pretty nil. much what. I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be a 1-1 draw in Mexico City, and then I think Seattle's going to take it in the second leg. They've, yeah. okay. they've just been unstoppable at home. Even if they lose the first game, it's not like they, they've scored better goals, more goals against better competition at home. Fair. Yeah, I, Fair enough. Yep. So I think this is Seattle's and, more importantly, MLS's time. I think they're finally going to do it. All right. So there's a segment I wanted to start the podcast with, but I'll just edit it around the rest. What do we think this... What would Seattle... Let's say Seattle won this. What would this event... um, And I think there's three ways we can think about this. There's symbolically what it symbolizes, descriptively what it tells us about the leagues and, you know, and three, practically, like, what would it, what benefits or what would the consequences be? Like, what would be incurred by the ability to win this and go to the Club World Cup? That's that's a really good question. Um, I think the point I would want to talk on more in terms of that would be the more point the relationship between how MLS is viewed with Liga Emekis and then how MLS is just viewed period moreover than in just country. Cause if Seattle does win, let, let's just say that they do, Yes, that is big for Seattle. They get to forever hold that on their banner that they were the first team yeah. in this in this iteration. I should just say. for like some historical. Yeah, DC it, United basically won the Sudamericana, and they won the Champions Cup, and that sets them in their own place. LA Galaxy won the Champions Cup. If we see. Uh, DC United and LA Galaxy as the first flag bearers for the league. Winning this puts Seattle in the pantheon. It basically yeah, it cements them as 
it's a big three as opposed to a big two without I don't think there's going to be any question at that point yeah you're talking about a team that's I, I don't even the club is what 12 years old didn't they yeah, ex- 12 years old they've in won. 2009 if I remember correctly yeah and they've um, never missed the playoffs no and they haven't even been worse than like seventh they've never had a bad year they consistently been a threat but in terms of what it would mean for MLS, what is the first club that MLS is compared to? Obviously, it's the it's the league directly south, Liga MX. I don't think anybody would say that MLS is a better league than Liga MX at this time. No. Um, obviously, MLS. Let's be fair here; it's not even thirty years old yet, or it's. No is about there um it is one of the newest i i don't even know if there is a like a really big league that's come out since mls has canadian premier league they sure fair enough but in you know the short amount of time yeah they have closed the that it's not closed but they've made up a yeah, lot just of ground. For like and i think it's worth pointing out so if you tackle descriptive part of my question it's worth noting that Seattle can lose this game. It would not change the fact that over this tournament, MLS has been very competitive with Liga Max directly in terms of H2H. Um, and it wouldn't change that the percentage of wins has improved drastically over the last like 10 years. Yes. I mean, like you're, you're talking within since 2018 you're talking three different times where the MLS team has had a legitimate chance yeah and in 2018 it's just it's like that was basically when TAM which is like how is it a it is a mechanism in which MLS teams are allowed to have better depth essentially so TAM comes in in 2018 MLS just straight up outdoes like head to head directly speaking they are they outdo Liga Max um then in the next two seasons league mx kind of like comes back and then here you have mls going that way and i think it's worth pointing out that league mx has not been a static thing league mx has improved by all like discernible metrics you know you can look at transfer market international representation league rankers over the last five years basically Liga MX has become a top 10 league. Um, they've, you, and this is like, they used to like not do that well in the Copa Lib. The last two years they were in the finals. They made the final. Then they make, they finished third in the Club World Cup. Then they finished second in the Club World Cup. And the parities improved, the depths improved they get more representation internationally. Liga Mets has been improving. So MLS being able to just make that more even is a sign of progress, regardless of how this final ends in the descriptive sense. And I think it's important that we don't just, because, you know, whoever wins this is going to be a bunch of hot takes, but this is just a two-legged tie. And these are like basically eight teams, nine teams from uh, two leagues that have lots of teams. This this we sh- this sample should not be overreacted to. It's nice to be the team that wins, but descriptively speaking, I don't think it's a world of difference if the Liga MX team wins or the MLS team wins. I would agree with that. I want to add two quick things to that. The first one being, let's just say Seattle does win. An added perk of that is you get all that free advertisement of one. We you have the we have the World Cup year this year. Yes, and then you get to say, come look at the obviously the the first billing is going to be the United States yeah. national team going into there, but then you get to say, hey, look at our domestic product, which is horribly cast aside on its current ESPN platform. 
but with this another entire other story. I mean, Neo Max is more popular, right? The- but that this is this is going to be the more important thing if Seattle wins is you get. 100% free advertisement to go, hey, come look at the U.S. men's national team, but also look at your domestic product playing in a very important club World Cup that's making all the money and has and, all the you know, on the Jordan Morris could be at both the World Cup and the club yes, Cup. Well, and Roldan could, uh, Christian Roldan, honestly, could be too, if yeah. he has a chance to be. So you can take players that are going to the World Cup and then showing them to your domestic product. That so, could I, be- so this will shift into the practical angle of this. How beneficial would winning this be? Like, does this is this does this is this a seismic change? Do European teams start looking at our prospects more seriously? It, or, I would say that it starts a process. It doesn't go from A to Z with a snap of your fingers, obviously, because we're talking about. It'd be the first time you get to say it's a one. It's a small sample size. Yeah. The next step, but it's going to at least. Hey, they've actually done it. Can the the eyes are going to be? Can you then continue it? And that doesn't mean that MLS has to win the next three Concacaf Champions League titles. That's not what we're saying here. But what is going to be the expectation is going to be: Can they provide a legitimate? basically can they be like 50 50 or 40 60 exactly oh the next day can you can you take it you know at bare minimum two teams with the expectations of winning it without praying and holding on for dear life and hoping luck is on your side if we if we switch to the descriptive side of this if mls like for the next three seasons is able to go 50 50 with legal max just based on how these leagues are set up MLS has a thing called parity, and it is, it's just unrivaled in that department, which means its best teams are disproportionately weaker than the best teams of other leagues. If MLS was to go 50-50 over the next three seasons, would we be like, yeah, okay, MLS is better? That would be the argument, but depending on who you talk to and who did they beat in order to get there. Like, for example, this year... We beat, uh, let's just say if Seattle wins, they beat uh, Leon and they beat Pumas. Not exactly historical powerhouses. In those 50-50s, if they beat Tigres and Monterey and uh, Club America, uh, if they beat them, then you're starting to eliminate, oh, the argument that, oh, they only beat uh, mid-tier Liga Mekis tables as opposed to, yeah. It's also worth saying this might be a down year for Liga Max, if for nothing else, because they just had a massive scandal. Um, so at the Atlas Creditano game, I didn't pronounce that correctly, but that was violence. And that sort of that sort of dominated discourse in Liga Max. There's also been things where they closed off relegation for a season. Um, some of the traditional big boys have had down years. And MLS has fielded a very strong thing. It's had you had a record-breaking points team, New England. You had NYCFC, who have been who've had the most points over the last five years. Um, and then you have Seattle Sounders, who are Seattle Sounders. So I think just this year you can say, hey, it's a sample size, blah, 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 blah. Right. And actually, if you look at the tables for Liga Emekis. Club America is already going to be in next year's CONCACAF Champions League because they won the opening uh, half of their season. And Tigres is, I would be shocked if they dropped it. They're currently six uh, points up uh, out of on the qualification spot. So th- there you go. There's your chance. If you are able to go through those two teams you are starting to eliminate a whole bunch of excuse making and you're kind of just left with the what up you the basically you're only left with is mls is expected to compete every single year granted they may not win that's not that shouldn't be the expectation anyway but there shouldn't be the expectation of whenever they go to against any of these league mechie sides it's a 50 50 or a very close game 
it shouldn't i you're we're starting even uh, as you said even if seattle loses you've seen the wheels turning of the narrative that it's Liga Mekis and everybody else. I do wonder how quickly this shifts because in 2018, MLS was better over the course of the tournament, but then Mexico just went on a spending screen, basically. And is this just a matter of finances? Is it that one league ups the ante and then the other league? Because before this tournament, which has been like the second or most successful for MLS here, you had the you had Toronto signing Insigne, you had the worst an expansion team which was expected to finish at the bottom signing the best player in the Danish league. You had um Shaqiri, you had a bunch of players who just you would not expect in that time entering. Shakiri shocked, by the way. I sorry to interrupt you, but Shakiri, I that came out of nowhere for me. I <laughs> that was one of the most shocking purchases I've ever seen. Yeah, for, for MLS. Yeah, you also you had the South American Player of the Year joining. Um, is this like, is this just a matter of okay, MLS up the money, and now Liga MX is going to up the money, and that's just going to yo-yo? Well, I'm going to to whether or not this is truly a pushback, it's going to have to remain to be seen. But you'll notice that those were exports that MLS brought in when they threw around their money. Liga Emekis throws around money to keep domestic players in their league. They're, they don't go out shopping for, to a lot of European clubs or South American clubs. Ah, that's been the issue with the national team. Yeah, what, for good reason. You're trying to market with, with Mexico. They try to market Liga Emekis with the national team. MLS does it not depending on who you talk to, people will complain that they do it too much, but it's not even remotely close to the same thing. So MLS is bringing in bid market, some pretty big market names, as you just alluded to, while Liga Amekis will spend money, but they're bringing in more domestic product, which not to say that they're not bringing in solid players when they do that, but you are limiting the player pool that you can market now, I don't know how incentivized Liga Amekis is going to be to spend outside of a domestic product. If let's just say that they hypothetically, let's just say they lose three champions leagues in a row to M- an MLS wins all three of them. Does that is it, does that force a change or are they too rooted in their ways? I mean, I don't, we would have to wait and see, but yeah. If, I if, think if that's where the winning the final might have consequences here. Because if you just, if you, if it's just the middle and bottom of MLS closes the gap or gets stronger, but the top teams keep losing the Champions League final, you can, you don't necessarily need to worry about that if you're the Liga Max. So you're like, hey, look, we keep winning the Champions League. But if you win the final over and over again, then I think there might be some demand from the clubs themselves from like the club supporters to start engaging in the market more yeah it's 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 not unlike what you see with the national teams where the u.s last four times they're three three wins and a draw no losses that doesn't seem to be ending anytime soon with the current structures of the national teams but you also haven't seen a drastic change yet. Even with this, this is a bit, in terms of what the U.S. national team in Mexico, uh, national teams this last year and a half, it has been terrible for Mexico. Yet they still, this still wasn't enough for a dramatic overhaul. Yeah. So maybe they haven't reached a tilting point on that. I mean, the team outside of losing to us four times though has basically done what they usually do at this point in the cycle. Right, but when usually there's action taken when the, when there's a game of consequence that they'd lose to the US mm. like Tata Martino would have been fired probably if he lost to the US at the Azteca i don't, i think any yeah. mexico coach would have been fired if they lost to the US team versus at the Azteca but he even though he 
it was an underwhelming, he still got them there because their whatever line that they set for Tata. That line has changed, I feel, for both teams, I think. Um, yeah. I remember Bob Lally got fired. The justification was, well, he lost in the final to Mexico. Uh, and there Mexico, is a little bit more. There is more to that than just that. There is. I mean, the real reason was they Klinsman came in to change the fundamental system, but that gave them the... If you win that final, then I don't know that Bob Badley would justify, could be just, him being fired would be justifiable. That would be the best run of any head coach, arguably, that we've ever had, even better than a, that would have been the best four-year run period we've ever had. Yeah. If he had won that, arguably. Um, but yeah, I think those are very similar situations here. You, basically, the national team got a head start, but now we're seeing it with the club teams where the no, there hasn't been a even uh, with the like the the uh, the Canadian MLS teams, they weren't overwhelmed either while playing throughout this tournament. There was, I mean, Canadian team. teams have actually, on average, outperformed American teams, in this right? Tournament. But that's kind of my point. Both regions, both Canada and the U.S., they're there hasn't been an overwhelming loss by MLS. The, the only one, you can say that maybe the Revolutions won, but that was only disappointing because they won three to one, three nothing in the first leg. And then the best team of the tournament has been an MLS team. Uh, we That hasn't been that way since 2018. 2018. Yeah, basically. And, but you also had the Revs that could have done that if they were at full strength or at the very least had Turner. I, I mean, they don't lose three to nothing with yeah. Matt Turner in that second leg. It's possible that it happens, but it's substantially less likely. Yeah. So you, you could be, we could be talking about, well, actually they would have played each other. Uh, or uh, we, we could be talking completely like an MLS versus MLS final. That's yeah. going, I think, I think I actually just touched Montreal was also pretty close. Yes, it absolutely was. But I think that's might be where the tipping point is to what uh, causes Mexico to, or like the entire Mexico Federation and the club system to change is when, if it can become like historically, it's been Mexico team versus Mexico team A versus Mexico team B in the final. Yeah. What, what if it's MLS team A versus MLS team B in the final? There's not even Mexico there. That I think is that that's going to be that top goal right there. If that doesn't form a sh chain, nothing. Nothing would. I yeah, mean, it's worth asking how much of a change is possible here? Like, what is the actual capacity for... Because MLS teams may not be the best competitively speaking, but they are extremely valuable franchises. And the well, UF is just an economic powerhouse, which Mexico isn't necessarily isn't. And we've seen that Mexico will have friendlies in the US. They will, uh, the whole discussion about the League's Cup being hosted in the US is basically because the US is financially more lucrative. This is a thing where like there's a ceiling and there's a limit to how Mexico can compete here. I, I think the problem of, the limit in turn, if if we're talking about a limit, I think the problem is with MLS and not Liga MX. Huh? Because if with MLS in turn, I should say currently in terms of how it's structured, there are only certain ways that teams can structure their roster. It is one of the biggest problems is you have an amazing, you can have an amazing start at eleven. But then because of the spending restrictions that MLS has in place, your bench is usually awful. Yeah. That's one of the sticking points there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Liga and Mekis doesn't have that problem. If they just decided to just say, okay, screw it. We're taking the, the training wheels off. We're going to start not just using domestic players. We're going to start poaching players from – Europe and just pay them top dollar of whatever the fan base thinks. We just need to get results. 
Liga MX has an advantage over that if they decide to do. Do up would players find Mexico more attractive than the U.S. as a destination? If the dollar amounts right. Ah. But this is all so theoretically, MLS could just get rid of the salary cap. I mean, we've just seen it. they've been loosening the restrictions a little. Basically, bit. it's what would happen first. Would MLS restructure its salary restraints, or is Liga MX going to open up beyond its borders? Yeah. Basically, yeah. Basically, the chicken or the egg here. That would be the difference in terms of flip flopping, because see, or if if things keep going the way that they are at the current trajectory, while on paper, Liga MX will probably still be a quote unquote better league. But as opposed to, I think, in, in like, again, these ra- take these rating systems for what you will. But in like global football rankings, which is derived from 538's uh, club, it's a combination of transfer market and. Um, yes. Uh, I believe Liga MX is ninth or 10th on that list, and MLS is. It goes from 14 to 16. Yes, or something like mid-teens. So a bare minimum five spots off. If the current trajectory continues as it is, MLS is going to drop that gap to where you can you get to say that Liga MX is better, but you're talking more a coin flip in terms of head-to-head. The thing is, if we're using that fight, what they do, which is why their rankings are different than almost all everyone, is they basically look at every team and try to give every team rating. And so we're talking about starting 11s in depth. There's, it's conventional wisdom that the depth is what really matters. That might only be true for the best teams. Because if you just look in, I don't know, the Premier League, if you're not the big six, most of the teams are just riding and dying with their starting 11. That's true. But as you alluded to, MLS has a lot of parity. Yeah. So, and because like any one year, a team can, one player could be enough for like a five win difference any year, depending yeah. on how other things. And you know, go. it's just the starting 11 plays more than just backups do. So it's quite possible at the top level, okay, League MX is like this. But what if you could have, I don't know, the bottom MLS teams play the bottom League MX teams? What would happen? It, I think the worst of MLS is worse than Liga Amekis, but that I don't, could... I don't know how, I don't know if that's the important narrative. I I wonder if it's can uh, Seattle, uh, New England Revolution, and LAFC compete with Club America, Tigres, and it might not be the more important narrative, but practically speaking, if you're looking at this from the national team programs. Uh, if the actual, like, if the mean of this league just catches up to the mean of that league, then when I have all my domestic players here, I'm not actually losing out on anything, theoretically speaking, if that makes sense. Like, you're playing the same level of competition. I think in that sense, it's in terms of, let's just say you want to try to bring in more players, I think is then it's basically do you, who what is the most attractive contract that's offering and then p- players are actually going to take a look at the structure of the franchise the like, other I, thing they will look at though is exports because the mls model has now been we're selling league you'll take your you send young player we sell him to europe when you're choosing a league to sign if you're young and you have potential for the most part, you don't want to stay in your, you don't want to spend your whole career in the league you're joining. Yes. This is also going to help dispel the, the uh, tired notion of MLS being the retirement league, where uh, mm-hmm. the, the Bundesliga and the premier 35 year old players basically go to have their last little joyride and then they retire. I feel like that's been, that's kind of been dead for a bit. It that's kind of the thing. Yes, it if to anybody that pays attention, yes, that it has, but to more casual people, I don't know how dispelled that truly is. If we're beating Liga Emekis 
teams regularly or a constant threat, that's just going to naturally eliminate that completely. And we're, we're going to be talking about bringing up basically, as you just said, we're going to be a youth environment. We're going to be, this is where people come to show your talent and move on to a bigger stage, which that might not, that's in the best interest of the league, obviously fan bases that could, depending on who you talk to, that could be frustrating because then every so many years, your roster might turn over because everyone's going to be going every which way other than your current league. But you're going to have a bunch of good, talented players coming in year in, year out, and it's going to bring a lot of money to you guys. Yeah. So as long as you can convince the fan base that, hey, you know, maybe you're not going to have, you know, your five to 10 year veterans as much as anymore, but you still will. It's not like, um, let's just say a Christian rolled on who like he's, he, could he go somewhere other than MLS? Absolutely. Yeah. If he wanted to, he's better. He could go to a somewhere in Europe and play. He would be he one of the best to. players in Lego Max. At least exactly. he go bias. Yes. But it's, you're still going to have, I'll call them lifetimers or not that that's their quality of play necessarily. That's just where they want to be. You're still going to have that. That's not going to just go away. It's just, you're, you're just not going to have somebody, a homegrown product go from point A and go all the way to Z with you. They just might go somewhere else, but yeah. you're still going to hold on to I mean, get like the majority of domestic players in MLS or Liga Mekis or, you know, like the Scottish Premier League, wherever have you, their talent level represents that domestic league, usually. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason for that. You're just going to have those very talented individuals probably go somewhere else, but it's not like you're going to have a massive drop in quality. You just might not have as many shining examples of talent. Yeah, I think... I think it's really about depth at this point when you're just comparing domestic leagues. It's about depth and the ability to sell prospects as far as the national team is concerned. I think it's also worth like considering that MLS and Leo MX don't necessarily function. Like they don't have the same objectives. Like MLS in large part is, it sort of supports the national team. Leo MX is, they just, it's about, they are not as tied to the market or the positive national team. They're just there to sort of just make money and do well competitively. Right. I, I really think that, I, I, I do think that we're going to see, this is going to, this might be a, a, a diverging point here, like basically a branch where, we might see that change if MLS starts taking over here. Uh, we're going to see what the priorities of each of these leagues are when you're seeing your highest competition come up and start taking this. Basically, if, how are the leagues going to respond to the other league taking away possible revenue from the other? Yeah. We're going to, like, we're going to see how that turns out here pretty soon, I think. Yeah, I think... Um... It's worth noting, Mexico's talent base is still insane. Uh, they have they have a massive, they have more soccer playing than like almost any place in the world. They are they dominate youth things. They 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 might have the best youth development. Like they have a top three in the world period. Their system is just the how they just do at every stage. Um and so you many people have put the reason put why is Mexico not one of the elite of soccer to well the league doesn't sell talent the league doesn't develop talent facilities blah 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 stuff like that maybe this is the thing that wakes up the sleeping giant that is Mexican soccer you would I mean that is true but we're talking about 50 years of this happening and they still haven't done it can you come closer to the can you hear me sorry about that to the mic yeah okay um we're talking 50 years of that happening currently and it still hasn't happened yet 
I mean, so like if it hasn't happened by now, I I don't know if this one event is going to automatically change that. I mean, it could. I mean, not one like just because we're doing for the last 50 years, they've had no competition. The league has had just no competition whatsoever, but now they might have actual competition and it might be on both the national team front and the club front. And that may actually even just state up affect revenue. So you might have stronger incentive now than you did way back. I think we're just going to have to wait and see. Also, they're going to have to figure out, as you alluded to, their fan troubles, which, granted, I I, I want to make sure that I put this in fair context. This isn't a Mexico problem. It's a soccer problem. Yeah. This happens in other places in the world far too much, including including Europe, Middle East, uh, Asia, whatever have you. But... Mexico needs to figure out the problem that it has with Mexico because, I mean, you don't see this happening that much in MLS too much or in just North America, period, or in the United States, I should say, period. That might be a matter of socioeconomic conditions, honestly. That is, that is, a, that probably is a point um, that should be considered in there. But if you're going to be trying to bring in exports, depending on where you're taking them from, that might be something that you're going to want to make sure that you have addressed. Also, you're going to want to address that before the World Cup starts yeah. in four years because uh, you're going to have a problem if you haven't gotten rid of that, or at least, I should say, control it. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've discussed a lot of stuff. Should we end the podcast now? I think we're at a good point. This is also going to be extremely long and quite a lot of editing, but I'll...